Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Bet. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit it in. Gregory touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the mix. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7 FM Herb River you are whatever you are doing on the ESPN app seen heard and everything in between the magical website where we do not have the Doppler radar to track the snow, but we do have a sports talk show that you can watch as it happens. QSportsTalk.com, where you can do that. You can chat throughout the program, chat open for your takes, no matter what temperature they are. We could use some hot takes today to uh, that's hot warm it up out there, that's for sure. Or uh, the other uh, kind of added option here, the off-the-menu option. We tell you about it, but it's it's not necessarily on the menu, but it's still a thing. If you know, you know, and that is this. When the radio audience goes to commercial break, the friends at QSportsTalk.com do not, because we keep the camera on, we keep the microphone on, we keep talking to you, because we like to talk to you. So why wait the commercial break time to talk to you? We don't do that. We just keep talking to you. So however you're taking in the show today, we appreciate that. We hope you're warm, if uh, particularly you're here in central New York, but uh, via QSportsTalk.com, the app people watch and listen from all over the place. Uh, here in uh, downtown Syracuse, someone flipped the switch and turned on the snow machine. Here we go. Already. Now, sometimes you read the forecast, and it's like, yeah, it'll just be kind of subtle for a while, and that thing's going to crank up overnight. By the time you wake up, you better have the snowblower ready to go. Oh, no. Snap a finger. And the snow machine is on a couple of inches already on the ground. And here we go. Just 10 shopping days away. Let's go. I mean, you knew it was coming. We, we kind of dodged some of these big storms that have been up and around and west and north and south in every direction except here. But uh, we're going to get it this time, it appears. So uh, we're here to keep you company as you get that snow blower ready, get those snow shovels ready. Get a good stretch in before you're going to get out there and shovel and do the thing. And uh, we'll be with you for the next couple of hours until Crunch Weekly hits the airwaves. And there's some significant Crunch news happening this weekend, which we will talk to Howard Dolgan about at 535. The owner of the Syracuse Crunch will join us. Always great to catch up with him. And a big-time record is going to be set tomorrow night for probably the person who deserves it most. So we will talk to Howard about that. 
John Murphy, the voice of the Buffalo Bills. The Bills make me wanna Speaking of snow, throw your hands up and the Miami Dolphins. We're going to have to deal with a little bit of that on Saturday night. Remember, this is a Saturday night matchup between the Bills and the Dolphins. Huge division game. The Bills get in the playoffs with the win. Not that they're going to miss the playoffs, but this will officially clinch it. They've got to hold off Miami in the division. They've got to get revenge on Miami. Couldn't be a more opposite weather day than when the Bills played Miami earlier this season on the equator. This time, it comes a little snow. I like how Mike McDaniels is basically just, like, trying to zen his way out of this. No, bro. That's a snowstorm you're playing in. I would advise you not to ignore it. But I actually like the fact that he's kind of not making it a big deal in the minds of his players. So we will get into that with John Murphy. Cole Beasley is back on the Buffalo Bills roster and lots of things to get into with Murph. Hot takes to come to warm me up a little bit here, and uh, it is Thursday. Thursdays are draft day here on the block. We'll get back to probably doing the draft on Fridays in the new year because, you know, once SU football season wraps up, we still have football Fridays in terms of the playoffs and everything, but certainly we'll have some room for the draft. So we'll probably move draft day back to Friday. I don't know. Maybe we'll keep it on Thursday. It's kind of cool to do it on Thursdays. We shall see about that. But today is certainly a draft day. And today, Josh Jordan and I are going to draft the Mount Rushmore of, we're going to put it this way, holiday winter movies. Now, Christmas movies is what you want to say, but there are a few that are not necessarily Christmas movies, right? We could just do Christmas movies, but I wanted to include a few other uh, movies that people watch around the holidays that may not necessarily be Christmas movies. For example, Die Hard is on the table. Now, Bruce Willis is on the record as saying it is not a Christmas movie, if you believe the star of the movie. I believe the producer of the movie says that it is. So we're going to include that. So you see what I mean? That's why we got to open this up a little bit, not just say Christmas movies. But that is what we will do. That is the draft later today. We'll do that a little earlier than usual at 515, so we'll have time to talk to Howard at 530 and looking forward to that. We start in the world of uh, Syracuse basketball as uh, they get ready to ramp it up again Saturday after a run there where, you know, Syracuse has gotten back on track. Certainly some lineup changes uh, apparently are afoot for this team with what Jim Beheim said earlier this week about Chris Bell and his not only inability but his uh, lack of desire to rebound. And you might have to pair a couple of power forwards with Jesse Edwards. And I think we're going to see – a tweak in the lineup coming here, which is a rare thing. As Mike Waters noted in his Mike's Mailbox story today, the last time that Jim Beheim made a lineup change that had not to do with injury was the 2016-17 season. Moving then-sophomore Frank Howard to the bench, putting in John Gillen into the lineup, also putting Tyus Battle in as the starting two guard with Andrew White, which uh, was switched to guard to small forward, which put Tyler Roberson to the bench. So one thing led to the other. That was a bit of a lineup change. And in this case, it would be a lineup shakeup, not really from an offensive standpoint, but from a rebounding standpoint. So I, I anticipate we're going to see a change there Saturday. Now I'll be the first to tell you that Jim Beheim's starting lineup doesn't matter. What matters is who's out there when the game's on the line, right? Starting lineups are good for consistency. They're good for title. They're good for status. You know, they feel good. You're a starting player at Syracuse University. It doesn't matter. 
What's the the lineup? What's the matchup? What's the right five when the game's tight? And you got to figure out a way to, in this case, in this next matchup, play a Cornell team. And as Brian Earl said on these airwaves earlier today, Cornell's head coach, this team likes to go fast. We didn't play this way a few years ago, and actually we had Jimmy Beheim here uh, as a junior his last season here, and we were one of the slower teams in the country. Um, and then the, the pandemic hit, and um, in the Ivy League we didn't play a season, and so we we had to do things that were a little off, six feet of distance, playing basketball that way is a difficult um, excursion. So some of it came from that just trying to have some fun with the guys as much as we could and then we started uh picking up the pace and and that year for for us and my coaching staff was a bit of a sabbatical that where you you know professors sit back and ponder things for a year sometimes and we had a chance to do that i like how he put that i think a lot of us had to ponder a lot of things during the pandemic and i like that brian earl did that be different Typically, Ivy League, you think of Princeton, slow down, backdoor cuts. Robert in Rochester, big fan of Ivy League basketball. He decided to go the other way here. Donna DeToda had a terrific story about this today, which you should read and check out. And I feel like that's what you got to do to stand out. Now, that's certainly there. What lineup changes could happen on the Syracuse side of things? You know, the X's and O's and the particulars of basketball are out there. And here's uh, Brian Earl a little bit more on this game, buddy. This is always a difficult one. I mean, that zone, it, it, you, you can't really replicate it with the, the length and, and the sort of knowledge that those guys have in our building. Um, and so we do play at a fast pace, and, and that's probably going to be slowed down by Syracuse. And so um, we got to limit turnovers and then make sure we do our best trying to defend the guys that we need to defend. And, and that's always difficult for us. So, you know, as long as we don't turn it over and, and again, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind a 19 made three point shot game. Um, so, so making shots, limiting turnovers, and then how can we stop them? Edwards at the basket and Joe around the perimeter and, and, and uh, Mince and, and some of the dangerous guys of, uh, that they have um, is going to be the tallest order. That's Brian Earl earlier today right here on ESPN Syracuse on Orange Nation. Now, all that is worthy of discussion and something we'll focus on a bit more tomorrow and when Uncle Brent's here for pregame. Saturday, which would be 2 o'clock, because we've got a 3 o'clock tip time at the Dome. Uh, I don't believe any national championship soccer games will be taking place at the same time Saturday, so they got that going for them, which is nice. Here's what I got in my mind. Optics. Syracuse cannot survive, to me, optically, having a loss to Cornell and Colgate on the schedule in the same year. Now, after I delivered the slap there, let me deliver the, the sweet, if you will. That was a salty comment. Now let me give you the sweet comment. The fact that Colgate and Cornell have great basketball teams is good news. The fact that you have a, a, a non-conference game, the last one of the season before ACC play kicks in full-time next week, Pittsburgh on the 20th, Boston College on New Year's Eve, and we're off. The fact that Cornell basketball is good, that it's interesting, that it almost knocked off Miami, that it lost by two. This was the first game of the season, but still lost by two to Boston College. The fact that Brian Earl has built a program here and has put a system in place, that is interesting. Because frankly, like watching Ivy League basketball, I'd rather pour bleach in my eyes sometimes.
cuts. I'm not a fan of backdoor cuts, slow down the game, you know, as if Dr. James Naismith was out there. Yes, that's what you have to do. Backdoor cuts, 17 passes, put the peach basket in there. Like, no, that's not what I like to watch. I like up and down the court, high-scoring, active, pace basketball. Cornell is fifth in the country in pace right now. I like that they're going to challenge Syracuse this way. There have been some Syracuse teams as of late that use the shot clock a lot that just I don't enjoy watching that kind of basketball. I hate when Syracuse plays Pittsburgh or plays teams that deliberately do this, and it's just, to me, I just it goes against the sport. And that comes, I guess, from my roots in lacrosse. That just drove me crazy what happened in that sport. Thankfully, a lot of steps were taken to replicate that, and we have more of what is the fastest game on two feet, and I just feel like basketball should be played that way. But, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, too. So I like that Cornell has built an interesting team that's coming in Saturday, making this game more interesting. This is not just a getaway game to the holiday season and a game you can't take seriously. Syracuse had that. It was supposed to have it Monday with Monmouth, and even Monmouth gave him a little bit of a punch in the nose in a distracting environment before they put the clamps down in the second half. Inevitably, there is a team or two that is better and more interesting than you thought they would be when you look at the non-conference schedule when it comes out. That always happens, and I am for that, even with a tough ACC slate. I like what Matt Langle is doing at Colgate, that there's another team around here that kind of similar to Cornell. They score a lot. They shoot threes. They're fun to watch. They're a consistent winner in their league. It gives, frankly, something for us to cheer for in the NCAA tournament when Syracuse is not there. And Colgate has come so close to making a Sweet 16 run. They pulled off some upsets. They're, you know, they have arrived. They have beaten Syracuse two years in a row. That is great. That is a compliment to them. It is not excusable for Syracuse to lose to these two teams in the same season. That's not something I can ever explain. That's not something that I could ever spin. That's not something that is excusable. Both things can be true. It's great that Cornell and Colgate are better. They're interesting. They're watchable. And, you know, you have a, there's a, there's a little region pride there. Right, because Syracuse just swallows up so much attention that when you have other basketball teams in this case that work their way into the conversation, that's fantastic. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to root for Central New York and I'm going to root for local teams to be successful. It doesn't change the fact that optically you cannot spin that. You can't. You can tell me until you're blue in the face how good those teams are. You can tell me until you're blue in the face how young your team is or however you want to spin that. You can't lose to Colgate and Cornell in the same season without basically admitting that your program is taking a step down. Not it's having a down cycle or a down. No, that the program itself has taken a step down. Optically, you can't survive that. Now, can you lose that game? Your non-conference slate's already a disaster. Syracuse does not have a non-conference win of note. And by the way, Cornell, for as good as they're playing, they're 168 in Ken Palm. So this doesn't help you in terms of your net ranking or anything of that matter. It's one of those win, you gain nothing, lose, you lose everything kind of losses. 
But I'm not concerned about net rankings and optics and how they're playing in the lineup. I am. We're going to discuss all that. But what I'm focused on today, and I think what hovers over this game, is the feeling that would come if they lost to Cornell. On top of having lost to Colgate. It's not good. It's not good. Now, I think Syracuse has done some good things as of late, the way they played against Notre Dame, the way that they have won games. Now, Monmouth, weird situation. I get it, but that's still a 1-19 that came in and, and gave you a punch in the nose. Four and a half. I like how Judah Mintz has responded. Jesse Edwards is playing at an All-American level. Jim Beheim has certainly recognized, okay, this isn't working. we got to change this. It's still uh, not that we're getting in the lab and doing experiments here, Paul. But they're still trying to figure some things out, and that's fair. But we're already at the point where the margin for error, it's not only slim, it's non-existent. On top of the angst and the optics that are out there, it came up earlier, Jim was on with, in this case, Mario was in for Steve today, and the old succession plan came up again and recruiting came up again. Let's listen into, to a couple of those things. First, here is uh, Jim on Right, let me ask you two guys a question. What was the plan for coaching at North Carolina? That's that's what I said, yeah. Coach. That was my exact What was the plan reason. at Alabama? Yeah, what's, what was what's the, the plan, plan at Florida at State? UCLA? Yeah. What was the plan at Illinois? The point is there is no plan at all of those schools. There never was. And everybody, Pat calls about this plan like he needs to know. Really? What does he need to know for let me remind you who brought up the plan. That would be Jim, who called this show and told us there was a plan. So where I'll I get where Jim's coming from in a way. Where I'll disagree is if you put that out there, it's only going to whet the appetite and the curiosity of people out there about, well, what is the plan? When does this go into place? And what is the strategic advantage of keeping it a secret? If it's as ironclad and as solid as you say it is, it doesn't benefit you to keep it under your lid. If it's simply Adrian Autry or Jerry McNamara, then what's the big deal in letting us know what it is? I guess that signals that the plan goes into place after this season because you can't have, I'll agree, like you can't be like, hey, Jerry's going to take over in two or three years. They tried that with Hopkins. It didn't work. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. The whole Jim Beheim retires in three years, Hopkins takes over, that, that, while well, we all knew that was going to be the plan, like, to pace it out that far away did not work and should not work. So I get where Jim's coming from there, but you got to understand here, that's why this is coming up. And if you lose to Cornell, it's only going to come up more. I asked John Wildhack the same question, by the way, and he didn't get, he didn't answer it. He, you know, he gave a diplomatic non-answer. I just have a simple question. What is the strategic advantage? And if it's recruiting and if it's all the things that I mentioned and some that I didn't, okay, then I'll, I guess I'll accept that answer. But it was Jim who mentioned there is a plan and it's going to happen. And just because those other places did it one way doesn't mean Syracuse can't do it another, but that's a whole different topic for a different day. Recruiting came up as well in that conversation, and I think Jim makes some astute points. We needed a good recruiting year. I told him I'd coach him this year, all of them, and they all came. We got a top 15, 16, whatever we want to put it, class. Um, I think it's even better than that, but it's a really good class. And uh, they knew the plan. 
<laughs> I'm going to coach him this year. So, um, you know, uh, everybody keeps talking about this year. We were never going to get recruits this year, probably. Freshmen are not going to come in when you have six freshmen. It's just not going to happen. And, you know, they have both kids we really wanted. Said, you know, you do, you know they, they, they never said this, but one was a guard. We have four guards that could come back. You know, one was a center. We have three centers that could come back. Why would you go there? And we were close to get them, but it was that was a deciding factor. The other thing is you have to understand in today's world, two years ago we had to remake the roster. This year we had to remake the roster. After this season, we might have to remake the roster because guys are leaving. It's a year-to-year thing. There's no longer... Like, if I wanted to set this program right, and, and this was 20 years ago, I could leave now or next year, and we'd be in great shape because you'd have six, seven young players. But that's just not the case anymore. I think that's a fair point there, but I also speaks to why it wouldn't put you at a disadvantage to put the plan out there. And, again, I'm not advocating for that. I just don't get the secrecy of it. It's a year-to-year thing now with the portal Syracuse is a little different because they have a number of young players there. It signals to people, like, I'm not going to crack the lineup right away there. This is still almost, if you want to use a word, a traditional development in what they're doing here with the roster they have constructed. But I think that's a fair point. Most of the time it's done after the season. Shire, Duke, that was an exception to the rule. That's the way they wanted to do that. Krzyzewski is a huge deal. And to go through a year-long retirement tour, you understood it. Jim is on that level, right? He is the longest-tenured head coach in college basketball. I don't think I really need to explain what he means. So that's why it's different. That's why the plans at other schools, I don't care about the plans at other schools. They don't matter. I care about this plan and here because he's a bigger deal than those are. So I didn't want to get into that too much, but it did come up. But here's where it circles back to what I said. You lose to Cornell, as good as Cornell is. I cannot explain that to people. I could go blue in the face telling whatever level fan you are, season ticket holder, watches every minute of every game, to my mother, who's a casual fan. They're all going to say the same thing. You lost to Cornell and Colgate in the same year. Yeah, but Colgate's good. But but you lost to Colgate and Cornell. But yeah, but look at Cornell. They only lost by two to Miami. They lost by two to Boston College. It does not matter. Optically, you cannot have that. You can't. Or more of those things, right, wrong, or indifferent, are going to happen. And it puts even more pressure on completely just salvaging something in ACC play, which I still think is possible. People look at me funny when I say that. I still think it's possible just based on how the league is this year. But that is, I'm not going to call it a must win. I'm not going to call it, I'm not going to put a title on it. All I know is optically, that's, I, I, you can't spin that. You cannot. I don't care how good they are. I love that they're good. I love the story of Colgate and Cornell being better opponents for Syracuse, better schools, better programs for their sake. You cannot spin that. On that note, we break. Before we do, though, let's see how the markets did today. And then we'll catch up with the voice of the Buffalo Bills, John Murphy. Snow falling in central New York. Going to be a lot of snow in that game.
Saturday night as well. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Hey, kids. I heard on the news that an airline pilot spotted Santa's sled on its way in from New York. You serious, Clark? Welcome back. It's draft day, ladies and gentlemen. And here on the block, we just don't do a draft. Oh, no. We will draft the Mount Rushmore of... And this week, we are going to draft the Mount Rushmore of... Now, see, what I said was Christmas-slash-holiday movies. It was then asked of me during the break, and Jordan is joining me here. Josh will be here uh, shortly here. It was asked of me during the break this, okay? Oh. Goodness gracious, what happened there? Okay. <laughs> what just happened? That's why don't we, worry about it. Don't, don't worry about, about it. it. We hit the we hit the we hit the button. So. I should have just dropped a bunch of bad words in the anyway. ten seconds. <laughs> so it was asked of me during the break. Are we talking about movies? But what about Charlie Brown Christmas? What about Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? What about Frosty the Snowman? What about Fill in your favorite I mean, Christmas special. I've, I've got special. my favorite, but I don't want anybody stealing it. I have the undefeated best like Christmas I just special. Say, I guess I got to allow it, right? I just want to say. We did say movies. You mentioned Charlie Brown out, out earlier. You can't tease me with Charlie Brown and then make it ineligible. Merry Christmas, baby. All right, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. Not movies. So do I have to redetermine the title of the draft, I guess? We're drafting the Mount Rushmore of Christmas slash holiday specials and movies. Now you're just confusing me. I already didn't know what I was doing before this even started. There's a lot of categories here because we could do just movies. There's enough yeah, movies. you could. But that made Jordan really nervous during the break when I just said, no, 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 just movies. But you can talk me into, I'll allow it. I'll, I'll allow it. I was going to say, man. I'll like, allow it. This might be controversial to some, but I'm going to allow some of those specials, if you will, that maybe aren't necessarily movies, but they're things that people watch at Christmas time. I appreciate you. Okay. Can I draft bowl games then? No, you <laughs> cannot draft bowl games. Nice. That's, that's enough. That's enough. That's definitely a no. NBA on Christmas Day. No, 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 no. Now we're getting way off the rails here. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is Josh's last day until he goes on his holiday break. Yes. In honor of that, in addition to uh, the gift I gave him earlier, I'm going to let you pick draft order. Okay. You determine the draft order today. All right. I'm definitely going to let myself go first because okay. this is a very thin draft for me. I think we can all agree on that. So I'll take the first pick, and since you usually give yourself the first pick, I'll be nice and give it to Jordan for second overall and make you go last. I'm fine with that. I okay. thought you I'm were fine. getting the second pick because you came with gifts today. I got lucky. 
Yeah, in hindsight, I probably should have done that, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, I apologize. Happy for that. Hanukkah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> for my first overall pick, I have to stick with my trend that I do in all these drafts. Like, I can't take a movie I haven't seen before. I've only seen so many Christmas movies. Um, my one one I think is gonna have to be the Polar Express. I think that's just a classic that everyone's seen plenty of times. I've seen it a few times. I only know so many of these Christmas movies. That's one I've seen a few times and don't hate. I don't think that's a number one pick. I'm not I even going to try to disagree with. And as like a shoe ties though. I don't. I I don't think that's a number one pick. Better for us. I don't like that. I'm like not even going to try. I don't. Would you I rather had him take a Christmas special, Brent? We're, we're See, we're talking about the Tom Hanks Polar Express, right? Yeah. Can I tell you something? That movie's creepy. <laughs> a little bit. It's a little but creepy. But like kind of in a good way, I think. It's a little what? creepy. It's like kind of good creepy. What? Is there such a thing as good yeah, creepy? Yeah, definitely. Like Tim Burton? Because at the end of the day, you turn the movie off and you're not creeped out anymore. Now, like... <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. Your pick stunk? Yeah, let's just go with that. <laughs> On to Jordan. Mine's okay, not going to be fine. Any... I'm not even going to. No, dude, I'm trying to be in the holiday spirit here, but that that's not number one pick worthy. I think we could have gone through this whole draft without the Polar Express. Can I just but, say? Uh, uh, it's I, your pick. It's your pick. Before Jordan yeah. makes this pick, I just want to say I love how him and I are scrolling through the exact same article of best Christmas movies. No. We're, no. <laughs> no. Notice I have no I have no <laughs> notes. I have nothing. I you have 30 years of notes that we haven't yes, gotten to exactly. take yet. You'll make it. Exactly. Exactly. Jordan's, he was really nervous about this one. Yeah. Is it just because you don't watch a lot of movies generally or yeah. Christmas movies generally? Yeah. Or? All right. Well, what you got um, from from your list in front of you that you're cheating with? Hey, shout out men's health. I'm I'm somewhat of a man. I care about my health. No better place to go for these lists. Um, it's... What I would say my generation's number one Christmas movie is. If you ask somebody my age, what is the Christmas movie mm-hmm. of this generation? I think they would say Elf, and that's why I'm taking Great it. Great pick. Solid pick. It's worked its way into the classics category. It's See, here's the thing you with Christmas Polar movies. Express. Don't like no. the yuck face. The thing with Christmas movies is I strangely they've become very quotable. Like the most mm-hmm. quotable Movies you remember around the holiday time, and this applies to other categories too, are just all those great quotes. Is there sugar in that? Then yes. Uh, I'm just going to be like perfectly honest here. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Buddy, the elf, (laughs) what's your favorite color? Look, nobody's saying that elf is the godfather here, but for this time. But I have actually seen elf. It's fantastic. I'm glad this fell to me. Value pick. I'm going to just steal it right here. Chris National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Again, I Speaking just, of lines, like just all the lines from that movie, you can watch it anytime. It's one of the most rewatchable movies of all time, let alone the most rewatchable Christmas movie of all time. I was debating between that and something else that I still feel like I'll be able to get here in the draft. But the thing with Christmas Vacation is you can watch it over and over and over again. Right, I think there are certain Christmas movies, and this might be debatable to some, that you only watch once. And I'll leave it at that. And back over to Josh, who will try and make up for his first pick 
That, that was a Somehow. good pick by you. Like I said, I've never seen the movie. Okay. I'm going to watch it at some point. We'll see. Um, I'll go with another Christmas movie that I have seen. Pretty good one. I don't think you'll fight this one, but we'll see. I'm going home alone. Great pick. I appreciate that. Now, it's funny how the story of a boy left alone who fought off two people trying to rob his house became a Christmas movie. Right. I don't really get that, but I know people say it is a Christmas movie. It's so definitely I'm a Christmas it. movie. Sometimes there's movies that take place around Christmas time. But if you just like describe this movie, a young man fights off intruders with yeah. a, a, a number of set of, of booby traps. Right. Like that movie could have taken place in June and it would have been any different. Right. It, a lot of the things that come from that movie have nothing to do with Christmas. Right. But it is a Christmas movie, and it's become known as a Christmas movie, and that made that you should have went with that first. If that's your first pick, eh. over Jordan, his second pick, the fifth overall. You're not going to expect this one from me. Ooh. Um. By I, the way, you don't have to have seen the movie to pick it. That's I, not a qualifier. I do. But I, I, do. Have I feel like one. I have to see the movie to pick it. Okay. I actually have seen this one. Okay. Uh, and. It's not like a happy Christmas movie necessarily, mm-hmm. but but it's a good one. It's a meaningful one. It's a solid message. Give me It's a Wonderful Life. That's a solid pick. A lot of people will put that at number one. I was going to select that, and here's the thing. You might be surprised to hear this. I have never watched It's a Wonderful Life start to finish. You inevitably see it. You inevitably... It'll be on at some point, and you'll. I, I know certain scenes from that movie. Look at this kid over here. He's just hes so excited. I have never watched that movie start to finish in my life. That's a hole in my resume. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we should be wearing the Christmas hat for the draft. What are we doing here? There you go. Now, I'm going to select this with the provision, even though it is on... 24 hours, literally, from Christmas Eve to Christmas morning. I am going to select a Christmas story. I feel like I've seen it on at other times. You can only watch a Christmas story once, and it has to be on either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Or what? That's my rule. Or what? Or the Christmas gods will come and get you. I don't know. It's just, it's just how I feel. <laughs> it's just how I feel. I did watch the Christmas Story sequel on HBO Max the other night that they put out. Not bad. Actually, not bad. It was better than I thought it would be. It's not going to get drafted, but it actually was pretty good. That's what you think. It's not going to get drafted. I'm running low on picks. And again, what was it called again? Quotable movie. And one of the most quotable things from a supposed Christmas movie is about a leg lamp that has nothing to do with Christmas. It's a major award, fragile. These aren't even Christmas things, but that's what people remember about that movie. How a Christmas tradition started of putting a leg lamp in your window. Weird things that have nothing to do with Christmas. Anyway, back over to Josh. Yeah. All right. I'm going to take another movie that Brent's going to hate, so just take your headphones off, turn your mic off, don't listen to me for a second, and let oh, me talk for a little bit oh, here. Boy. Whoa. I'm going to take a movie called The Night Before, starring Seth Rogen. Really great, funny movie. I've only seen it a few times. It- is a holiday movie of them trying to find a little like Christmas Eve party that they've been trying to go to every year. They find it. It's pretty cool. Seth Rogen's funny. I enjoy that one. We'll I go just, with the I, night I just have no comment. I just have no comment on that. I, I don't watch Christmas movies. Just, what do you want from me? You can pick Christmas movies even if you haven't seen them. 
I, I can't you can tell people you you've literally seen Googled a list of them over there. I, I pick can't, anything else from that list. I cannot endorse something I have not seen. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, you're going to lose the draft, so that's the comfort right. in this. Over to Jordan. Um, okay, so I'm going to make uh, the caveat here that while the live action version of this is excellent, mm-hmm. I want the old school animated version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Great. The, you know, I'll tell you what, the animated version's awesome. It's so good. It's really and good. And he, he's like really like overly mean to Max in the live action one. It makes me really sad. There's this, I, I feel like How the Grinch Stole Christmas is one category. You can pick the show, the Jim Carrey movie, or the animated movie. You can't pick all three. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the animated. So, Grinch is off the board. Do we all agree on that? Grinch is off the board. Okay. Okay, over to <laughs> me. It's your mountain. I'm just living on it. Since we have included the, the, the specials and not movies, we've made it this far down the road, and this island of misfit toys has not selected Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which you have to watch on television. If you own the DVD or a copy of it digitally, congratulations, but you have to watch it when it's on CBS. Dude, you have a lot Why? of really particular because Christmas rules. It's tradition, okay? There are rules at Christmas you don't mess with, and that's one. Now, if you have a small child that wants to watch it over and over again, like when my child watched that about a thousand times every year around Christmas, that's different. But everybody else... Once, when it's on CBS, then it's over. There you go. Over to Josh as we head down the home stretch here. I'm actually going to take a pretty clear Christmas movie here. Die of, Hard 4? No. One of the few like real Santa movies that I actually remember watching as a kid and enjoying is The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. That was a funny one. I'm glad it got picked. I feel like we would have got mocked if it didn't. Never saw it. Yeah, I wouldn't pick that. Never watched it. Wouldn't be one of my picks, but I'm glad it's here. Okay. Over to Jordan. This sucks. I'm between a few. Um, I'm, I'm really between a few, and none of them are the one that I was thinking when I asked you if we could do specials. Um, this stinks, man. All right. There are a lot of good options, but fighting commercialism is absolutely deserving of making my draft board, and that's why we've got to go with a Charlie Brown Christmas to round Charlie out. Charlie Brown Christmas. You've got to. Got to. Got it. You know, what can I say about a Charlie Brown Christmas? Um, Poor Charlie Brown. He's way too it, smart for his I'm, age. I'm going to say this. It has not aged well in some ways. Watch that again. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah, it hasn't. But There's a few things in there that, and I'm not politically correct in any I way. I mean, 1965, Brent, a lot's happened. Yeah, but exactly. It's a good time. How to enjoy the holidays, not focused on all the commercial okay. stuff. So, uh, to me, and this is the last pick, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I miss so many. There's some choices here. There's some movies that we have not selected. There are some. You're a fraud if you don't take Emmett Otter. You're a fraud if you don't take Emmett Otter. Thank you for jumping the gun. I was setting it up. You just had to jump right in there. Well done. And, and be you. I didn't think you were actually going to. If you hit the dump button, nobody will have heard that. You're a little late on that. He's still got another. The day, the consecutive streak of not having to hit that is over <laughs> already. Let us not go back there. But yes. My final pick is Emmett Otter and his Jug Band Christmas.
that terrific Muppet special from 1977. Because there ain't no hole in the wash tub and uh, River Bottom Nightmare Band and all that stuff. I should have had it ready to go. I should. I is that is that in here? It's got to be. Let's let's see if that's in here. Uh, I'm just gonna start this now. It really pains I've me. Lear- I've learned my lesson that playing things off YouTube is not a good idea. Right? Oh, really? Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Brent's looking for that. It pains me not to take a year without a Santa Claus because the Heat Miser and the Snow Miser songs are the best songs in the history of Christmas specials. Heat Miser's electric. Never even heard of it, dude. Br- Brent, I don't think we have Em and Otter in our uh, in our little system here. So we're just gonna have to go without. You know the you know the song. Riverbottom Nightmare Band. We'll come back. We'll change gears and we will drop the puck. Talk some hockey. Howard Dolgan coming up. Stay right there.